Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Books Boys, live from the Grand Library, the Dean and PJ. Guys, keep calm and read your tickets. Uh, PJ, we're using the Anna Karenina method here. He's PJ. Hello there. I'm the Dean, and we are the Books Boys. The one and only. This is the Books Boys show. Get it? Buy it? Books. Books Boys t-shirt on? Oh yeah, books. We're little Alfred, we're joined by the Christmas mysterious edition. Light. Christmas edition, Alfred. Oh, the he's, he's the back. I thought he, I thought I kind of got the impression he left for the Bahamas with a with a big stack of money. <laughs> come back. That's that's the impression I was getting. I was getting last time. It's home for the holidays. He's, he's back. He hasn't swindled us. That's good. <laughs> so yeah, books. I'm I I'm in the library once again in Dresden. I was here in the summer. Back again now in Dresden for. For, for a job for a month or two and I'm in the library I'm spending, spending a lot of time in this mysterious building called mm-hmm. the library Biblioteca Biblioteca and yeah. and I'm literally giving this once again the radio show in the library so you can imagine all the annoyed students around me trying to study no, their Latin grammar it's good because we say in the intro live from the grand library and I think we're contractually obligated to at least once a year actually be in a library yeah, I, 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 I kind of take that you know? I take the responsibility this time, this year. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you next year. And I, I've been searching for the meaning and for the definition of the so-called books because I have heard that a library keeps libros, which are books, mm-hmm. hence in the name library. I heard that. Yet I am confused because all I see are colorful uh, toilet paper rolls. Interesting. So, um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm still very confused. Oh, hold on, PJ, we're. We're just at the beginning of the show, but I, I think we're what? maybe already receiving a, a call. Sort of to a, an interesting, uh, interesting start. I think we got a we got a call coming in. Uh, hello, you're you're through to books, boys. Yeah. You've got Dean and PJ on the line. Who's calling? Uh, hello. This is. Uh, can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. This is. We can hear you crystal clear. Uh, sorry. Uh, this is Jay Reader Archuleta calling. Ah, brilliant. We were we were actually, I was just about to, to talk about your book, The Best Good Horse. I've, uh, I've been reading it. It was the first book I read this month. Um, and, a, and a very interesting book of short stories it is. Um, Jay Reader Archuleta, how are you doing? How are you doing today? Doing good. Uh, just uh, got this Zoom thing hooked up. I'm not sure I've got it right but i can hear you and i can see you so i guess uh that sounds like it's going well then (laughs) yeah it's going well it's going very well good (laughs) 
So I wanted to, to ask you, so I read your book of short stories here. Um, what, what, I always, I'm always interested when someone writes, in particular when they, when they do short stories because you've got a range of different themes and topics. What got you into writing? You know, what made you want to sit down and write the, these stories? Good question. I suppose it's uh, my background uh, growing up in far west Texas on working on ranches and farms, uh, kind of a an alone life uh, in that regard as a young man. But I was, um, so we, we didn't have any TV, radio, or anything like that. So the, the older fellows would tell stories. And so I got hooked on storytelling. And um, some of them were much better than others. And um, the ones that were good at telling stories, uh, you could just sit there uh, at night with the, uh, in uh, in very primitive accommodations and close your eyes and actually live the stories through their telling. And I thought uh, that always impressed me. So I guess when it comes to storytelling, that's pretty much basically what got me uh, interested in storytelling. Okay. And so, I mean, it's interesting because reading through these, these are stories that you can feel that you're in, you know, and I, I really think about the characters and I, I love them. Um, I want to ask you, I usually ask this later in the interview, but I'm interested in asking you a little bit earlier. Um, now that we've got, the, you know, this amazing collection of stories, what is next for yourself? Do you, do you plan on putting out another batch or was it just a one and done? You, you had a few stories you wanted to kind of take from the heart and that's you. Oh, actually, no, i uh... My my first attempt, my first uh, book was published was a novel. I had always wanted to do a police procedural, so I I set it in the early uh, 1900s in uh, Arizona. Central character being an Arizona Ranger, and um, so that was my that was my first uh, novel. It's called Real Sonora, and then so uh, I had written a a bunch of short stories and I had stacks of them and I knew this uh, fellow who who was a writer and had been successfully published actually sold uh, several to screenwriters and he encouraged me to get the short stories published so the first batch was uh, published in a book called the El Paso Red Flame Gas Station and it was, uh, you know, very well received by the, by the critics, and um, so that encouraged me. And I already had another stack of short stories. I I was writing at the time for myself, basically, and uh, so I had another uh, stack of short stories, which ended up being uh, the best good horse. So that's that's as a way of background. Okay, so we've we've had a first batch already. And what's next then? More stories, or are you going to have a go at another novel? What are you thinking? Yes, uh, the uh, I'm doing a uh, a sequel to Rio Sonora, uh, and also uh, short stories. I I, I like short stories mm. better than novels. I I, I t- take uh, greater pleasure out of writing uh, short stories. Um, I guess it's because I've got uh, what they would call attention deficit disorder, but I. Uh, I like the idea of, of writing it uh, quick, uh, uh, making it succinct, and and then getting on with with life. <laughs> sure, yeah, get it get it in, out, story done, and, and go live your life. Yeah, 
So I, I was a lot of the. Go ahead. I was just saying a lot of the celebrated short story writers, you know, Simon or Frank O'Connor, they, I think they have a similar kind of view on it, that they just want to tell a story quite precisely and not um, go on like like or like old story who will always go on about Anna Karenina just to tell the story and then be quite scarce or very frugal with your words, economic. So I do like the concept of a short story as well, more than I would of a, of a very loquacious novel. Mm-hmm. We have, I'm going to give a few examples of the stories and in particular a couple, you know, we, we try to do spoiler free, but I'll just kind of introduce a couple of them um, that, that I particularly liked. Um, so if we go even to the beginning, we have the story about Al's um, brother and that, that one is called A Prayer to St. Michael. Interestingly, I, I love this one. So, there was a chap in the town called Al and once he dies, his, his ranch gets left to his brother and the town initially don't really take to him. They just kind of call him Al's brother. And, but eventually we get this really nice line. Al's brother did have a name, several in fact. Uh, and one of his names is Adam. And it turns out that maybe he, Adam is a code name. So actually he's been doing a bit of military type work and actually he is, not no identity as the townsfolk almost think, uh-huh. but but several, which is uh, which is quite interesting. And uh-huh. he, he has a nice story. Well, it's a sad story in a way, but he finds a, a human ship as he's driving along, and there's a there's a poor girl there who he takes to to a Marie Claire to a kind of uh, to to look after, and she makes a prayer to Saint Michael, and that's that's the, the you know the, where that story comes uh-huh. from. But I just wanted to give that as an as an example. Um, there there's some sadness in the stories um, but they do deal with kind of realistic situations and, and they deal with real people um, or, you know, what seem like, I suppose, real people. And that got me to, to want to ask you, um, you know, are any of these based on real, um, you know, circumstances that you've come across or are they just totally, totally fictional? No, I, I, I'm not clever enough to make a lot of things up. So I, I have to write about what I know. And mm-hmm. all of these stories are, uh, as you say, about normal people. And uh, because that's that's how I grew up. That's my life experience. Uh, people on the street, uh, nothing exceptional. You wouldn't recognize them or you wouldn't know who right. they were if you were standing in line with them at the grocery store. But the the experiences of that life hands you and how you handle those experiences is what I wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, I'm, I'm glad you like uh, Prayer to St. Michael because that's one of the projects that I have as a, uh, I use that, uh, the, the short story, as a <clears throat> prequel to uh, a, a short novel that I have in mind. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of the projects right. I, I, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to continue that story because it's, um, it's basically he was uh, doing OS, what they call OSS work out of England in, in France during World War II. And that's, and that's the background between he and uh, uh, uh uh, the, the the sister so uh so but all of these stories are like that and and i'm glad you picked up on that because that's that's all i can do so all of the stories in in the book in in my novel and in my other book of short stories are based on what i have seen of life 
And um, the the characters, I, I think there's one theme that I, I tried to implant in the stories as I went along, and that's that all of the characters have been kicked around by life. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've been battered and beat up, but they've not they've never been defeated. At least, not in their own mind. They never admit defeat, and and that's what I tried to point out is they're not victims. They they would never consider themselves as victims. Um, they see they see the setbacks that they've had as as temporary setbacks, no more. And um, they continue on to uh, to try to solve the, their problem or <laughs> rectify their situation, as it were. So that that's uh, I think you you hit it when you're talking about normal people. There's nothing spectacular. They're not overly educated. They have no super wealth or superpowers. They're just people trying to get through life. Yeah, and as you say, they've been kicked around a bit. Most of them are dealing with some kind of struggle. And I think that that's what gives you that, you know, connection, that emotional kind of connection or, or a bit of empathy or you kind of, you're rooting for them a little bit. You know, you want to you see them do well because they haven't all started out with the easiest beginning sometimes. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if, if you're re- recording this and if you can edit it, but and I, because I don't want to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but I've I've, I've listened to several of your your podcasts. Uh, I'm an old guy, so I would call them broadcasts. But but what I really enjoy about you fellows is the the your interest in reading and how you encourage uh, others to read and and the way you dissect the the various stories uh I, I i listened one in particular you you had I, I guess a colleague of yours call in and um it was george orwell's 1984 yes. and i happened to, yes. i happened to be yes and i happened to be an orwell fan and um eric blair was his real name of course but uh it, to get to that if you read his two of his uh, other uh, efforts, uh, homage to Catalonia and down and out in London and down and out in Paris, uh, you get a real sense of where he came from and mm. and what he was trying to do. But anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. Sorry, <laughs> guys. I, I don't want to waste oh, no. Hey, we never say no to an Orwell uh, sidetrack, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. He's always worth mentioning. Well, no, I'm glad, I glad like a, you enjoyed like evening class, like I kind of uh, correspondence course or whatever you'd call it uh, on on Orwell, I, I I love the guy, um, and I and I always say to people who are um, you know who want to maybe understand society's darker manipulative side, do read uh, 1984 and A Brave New World so you can you know get some insight for yourself. You don't have to believe anything, but it's just yeah. yeah. So for anyone listening, that's Orwell's 1984 and all this Brave New World often get paired together, but they're both very dystopian, yeah. but in different ways, you know? Yes, 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 indeed, yeah. But um, just to kind of touch on a couple other things that I really liked in these stories, I, I love the story of Ace and Pearl. Um, and again, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but there's, there's one particular line I, I love, which is a, is a slight spoiler, but they're working in a in the cafe and Ace originally had some other businesses with horses and things. And once that's wrapped up, the two of them just say, let's get this cafe, you know, let's turn it around. Let's get it working. 
And he says, things are going reasonably well until the night he shot Pearl. I said, oh, wow, okay, I was not expecting that. And, oh, wow. and let's, uh, let's see where the story takes us. And then it is the story of the difficulties that he goes through. And, you know, um, and then he, he, he stashes some money. And I'm not going to say what becomes of that. But it's, it's nice to, because you're, you're almost thinking, well, he's got this fail safe. And then when things, you're not sure if things are going to work out the way he hoped they did. It's nice, but that line really got me, like, because I wasn't expecting him to shoot her, you know? And it's like, right, the story, the story is going a totally different direction than I thought. And then it kind of gathers pace from there a little bit. And, I, and you just kind of, you, you want to root for him because he's having things tough, but he also did shoot her. So it's also difficult to root for him. So they, they gave me some moral uh, dilemmas at times as well, you know? Yes, uh, yeah. Ace started off life uh, pretty well. He was a hardworking guy, went to work in the oil fields in, in West Texas. Uh, and then uh, when he started into his uh, quarter horse raising business, he found an easier way to make a living, which was on the criminal side. Mm-hmm. And and he, he seemed to have that weakness in him, uh, lack of uh, strength of character, I suppose, where he, he preferred to make his living that way. And uh, so... He kind of, he, he turned, maybe didn't turn, maybe he always had it in him, uh, but uh, but throughout it all, even though he, he did the, the, the deed of, of shooting Pearl, he, he, he wasn't that far off center. He was, mm. I, I, I always uh, was fairly sympathetic to him as a character because I, I've known people like that. And um, rascals they may be, but you still, uh, you still can't help but like them in a way. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And the, the guy I like the most is um, is the guy Josh. So Josh has this kind of sad, not well. I don't want to say sad because things do go okay for him in the end. But he has this story where he's he's done a little bit of work, you know, and he's he saved up some money, and off he goes to another town, and he gets picked up by the cops, and they think he's a vagrant, or you know, they're not really sure what's going on with him, and why you know why has this guy got a big packet of money in, in his pocket, kind of thing. So they they take him into to jail and question him and whatever else, and he's done absolutely nothing wrong. He's he's innocent almost to the point of of a, a touch of naivety about it, you know. And he just goes along with what they're doing, and eventually the judge says, "Yeah, he's done nothing wrong. His story checks out. We're gonna make him pay the cost of, of being in court out of his uh, hard-earned wages." and let him go and then the poor guy gets picked up a second time because he falls in with this girl and he thinks well she's very pretty i'll go along with her and then it turns out that that she's a criminal type and he was actually in in grave danger and again i'm not going to spoil how it ends but i i felt he's the one i liked the most out of all the stories because he was just very pure very naive just going along with things and not realizing that everyone else isn't necessarily above board you know well uh, well let me let me say this about josh if you if you like Josh, um, the the book of short stories that I have is the, called the El Paso Red Flame Gas Station. It's a um, what, what is what is the word they they call it uh, a coming of age uh, yeah. buildings Roman uh, and it's and Josh is the central character in all the stories and I trace Josh from when he was just a very small boy till the t- the time he becomes a young man. Uh, so that's Josh is basically the star of the El Paso Red Flame gas station. I'll be happy to get I'll be happy to get a copy of that to you guys. Uh, oh yes, please. Happy to send you Sounds very interesting. Yeah. We'd love that. And, yes, uh, please. 
and um, but uh, but Josh, uh, his, well, I I love the way you you grabbed onto that naivete because oh, yeah, because that, that that is exactly what he was. I I what he was doing is what we we would we used to call follow the harvest, and um, he's about sixteen, which is about the same age I was when I followed the harvest. And I um, what what you do is you. Uh, you go throughout Texas based on the seasons uh, right. of the growing seasons and when the harvest would come to uh, mm. be uh, you, where you could harvest the crop. And um, uh, I had to get back to, to uh, far west Texas where I was raised and living. And I had, uh, they pay, you work all summer and they pay you off at the end. And so you have, I had a little grip filled with cash and um, I riding the bus back. So, so that story there is a, a little bit of a, my imagination based on my, my experience of, of riding home on a bus with uh, being naive, halfway scared to death because I've got uh, one pair of, of uh, jeans and a, and a work shirt in my little grip. And underneath it, I have the cash hidden. And I, I'm a little paranoid that people could actually see that I have this bag full of, it's only a couple of hundred yeah. dollars, but to me, it was the world. For some reason, reminds me of, um, have you ever read um, John Williams' Butcher's Crossing? The, the author from Stoner. Um, if you have you heard of him? No, no, I've heard of him. I haven't read him. Yeah, I, well, uh, but I, let me write that down. I will. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I mean, his book was republished, and Stoner became famous just as a republished um, book. But Butcher's Crossing is really good Western. Where like I, I don't know much about about that side of America at all. But that was uh, about. Um, yeah, set in the 1870s, I think, and it's about them trying to make money, um, trying to, oh, for, forgive me, um, I think it's oxes, might be a different animal, trying to find them and get the fur and sell it, but it's actually about them, it's actually about them being out of time, it's not popular anymore, uh, finding that, that uh, certain cattle, and it's very, it's very, it sounds a bit like you just trying to work all summer, all winter, and then just for one single batch of cash, and really that anxiety is in the novel the whole time. Yeah, so, so no, it I, sounds interesting. I'll, I'll follow up. I recommend it, yeah. And I'll yeah. just give a quick um, idea for the for the listeners, um, if they're interested in the book, you know, a couple of the other stories. I, I really love um, Juan and Lucia, and Juan is an older gentleman who's starting to, to oh. lose his eyesight, and he's just all he knows is kind of just working, you know, farm work, laboring type work. And Lucia is the little daughter of, of one of his neighbors. She brings him some empanadas um, one day, just off her own bat. Her mom didn't tell her to do it. And then they develop this kind of friendship. And he's given her some moral advice about dating guys when she goes off to college. But, they, you know, and, she, and she's kind of helping him out when she's there. And they just develop this really nice intergenerational connection. So, so some of the stories are nice. And I want to just point out, you know, they're not all crime sort of stories or, or or something like that you know some of them are you know we we do have um there's the likes of the cut nose woman that one really got me thinking this it's a short one but the woman's just wondering why why has the white man arrested my husband you know sure he beat me and he he cut my nose but 
you know, I was cheating on him with my lover and that's just our way. That's what we do. He's a great warrior. He shouldn't be in the, in the white man's jail. And she's trying to, it's this, this kind of cultural difference or this trying to figure out, you know, why have they imposed this system on us? But of course we're thinking, well, he mm-hmm. beat you and that's a crime. So that's why he's gone to jail. So, so it, it's quite interesting to, some of them make you think, which I like, you know? Yeah. I'm glad you're lucky. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's interesting that, you know, we just we just take everything expected Western values and imposing our Western values on everyone. Um, yeah, that's it's interesting to reflect upon that because there really aren't enough stories uh, about that or even discussions about just what is right, what is wrong. It's really a flexible well, I, cultural thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, I glad, I'm glad you like that. That one and the... The other short story about uh, Chapo, the other uh, uh, Apache, uh, it, it takes place in Arizona, and they're actually part and parcel of the sequel to Real Sonora because uh, in Real Sonora, the Arizona Ranger, um, he, he hooks up with uh, several different people throughout the story, but uh, he hooks up with the uh, Indian policeman uh, in, in that short story, uh, plays a, a larger part in Rio Sonora and, of course, in the sequel. But it's I was always interested in the mixture of the cultures, uh, especially from a law enforcement perspective, mm-hmm. where we now now these people, even though they have their own culture and their own land, uh, so to speak, uh, on the reservation, they're all subject to the laws that. Uh, that uh, we pat the, the you know we passed from when we conquered Arizona territory, mm. so to speak, and then um, but th- then I venture into to Mexico as well, where uh, he works with another law enforcement group down there called the Mexican Rurales. So uh, you, I, I like what you saw there. You 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 grasp the interest in the mixing of the cultures, some good, some bad, but it's uh, a fact of life. Yeah, yeah. And just to wrap it up, and uh, we also have, you know, for example, there's a story about a girl who who escapes. She's, I guess she's kind of working in a sex joint, a brothel type place, and she escapes from from Domingo, who's who's running the place, and, you know, beats him over the head and, and makes off with some money and then befriends a priest to try to get a bit of protection on her her journey. We have people, you know, defending against bullies and uh, and things like that as well and this is a chap who's been bullying the other kids and one guy kind of sticks up for them in the end and he's kind of proud of that when he gets in trouble for it he says no i i you know he thinks he did the right thing so there's some moral lessons to be learned in in some of the stories but i'm not going to say anymore i'm going to let people uh you know look at it for themselves so it's jay reader archuleta the best good horse and other short stories Um, Mm. and i recommend that you know if people think it sounds interesting go ahead and uh, and give it a go. Would you like to to plug your website or you know plug anything before we let you go? Yeah, I I don't have a website. I I would be absolutely horrible at it. <laughs> uh, so so I, I I'm not going to waste my time or anybody else's time. I I don't the the books of course can be uh, had through the uh, publisher Izard Inc. I Z Z A R D Inc. Publishing. Uh, they're on okay. Amazon. Uh, and uh, uh, some of the other online bookstores, so you can get them. You can get online uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, a hard hard copy or like uh, ebook. So awesome! Well, guys, you can get what? on Amazon and things like that. Um, awesome. So the last question I want to to ask you before we let you go that we ask to every author then is, 
if there's any existing book that you wish you'd been the person to write, what would it be? Or short story, maybe as well. Or oh, a story works too. Yeah. I'll, I'll compromise with you and I'll go with a novella. Oh. Uh, and <laughs> it is, and, and it's, and it's going to be of mice and men by John Steinbeck. Um, oh. That that to me, it, it, it struck close to home because his characters. Of uh, the plot, uh, the the dialogue, the action was so close to my heart because that's kind of the way I I grew up. So that that it have to be it. I I I love the way he he had the economy of words, uh, but told a very very good story in about a hundred and. 20 pages or so. so yeah. wow. that That's something we, we talk about a lot. Usually in a novella, you can accomplish yeah. exactly the same as you can accomplish in a massive novel. You know, some, some of these writers love to just really go overboard sometimes and, and it's not always we, we, quality. <laughs> we, we call it the Anna Karenina method. If they do just write <laughs> a short story and then a 600-page agricultural manual. Had it out, you know. <laughs> right. If 10 words is good, then 100 words has got to be better, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's what they think. That's it. Well, thank you so much for, for calling to the show yeah, and thanks. taking the time to, to speak with us about your stories, which we absolutely loved, by the way. And, um, thanks. And, we, and, we, and we will be delighted to read more uh, if you feel like sending us more because that's, uh, yeah, we'd always absolutely. be happy to. Yeah, awesome. Thanks well, so much. And enjoy, and, and enjoy John Williams' uh, Butcher's Crossing. Uh, or, or any of his works. I will. Really Thank like. you for the recommendation, yeah. gentlemen. It's been You're a, welcome. A, a genuine pleasure. Thank you. Take Same care. Here. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> well, PJ, that's a lovely surprise. We always love to have to have our authors uh, call into the, to the show. Absolutely brilliant. And hopefully everyone will go ahead there, whether it's on Amazon or even just find somewhere online and pick up the best good horse. Um, well, that was that was lovely. Um, let's move on and, and talk about what we've um, been reading ourselves this month. Like just before we get into it, though, I do want to let people know to head to booksboys.com where you've got, of course, our website. And there's a special post on there to celebrate our two year anniversary. And it ties in with this month's sponsor. We're sponsored by the 2022 tips where you can find the latest songs by a certain the Dean and PJ Burke. So if you've heard of these Part of these chaps, we've got a few of our new songs on there. And if you're lucky enough to get the Serial Box Edition bonus track, um, you will you'll hear us sing My Lovely Horse in addition to our, uh, three tracks each by our, ourselves. And, and that's the uh, usually the Japanese bonus CD version, that extra track. But we're doing, uh, yeah, not just for the Japanese listeners. If you have found a cassette tape in a, in a Serial Box, you'll get it. But in addition to that... Uh, in Japan. The, <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash booksboys and you get all our other shows. We've released some more uh, Dark Place Dreamers on there where uh, Dark Place Robert and I reviewed some The Sandman uh, Netflix show. We haven't had a Playboys yet this month, but there's going to be some released um, very soon. Alex and I are about to record Much Ado About Nothing and it might be out around the same time as this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And PJ and I are going to work on some stuff as well. So there'll be some Playboys. I released a oh, music yeah. man. I released a little bonus episode where I, if you want to hear me 10 years ago doing two uh, Chavi dance remixes, but also two 50s rock and roll songs about candy Ooh. stores, uh, then you can go and, Spicy. Uh, go and get those. But th- that's on our Patreon, guys. 
Let's they were. That's the, that's that's that is the plus eighteen section. So make sure that you get permission <laughs> from your mothers from and fathers. That is spicy stuff right there. So we've both done interesting things this month. You've read a lot of children's books, and I've been, <laughs> I've been time traveling, and I've only read most of my books set in in the ancient Greece and Rome and uh, early England. So, so it's very kind of different, kind of you know. So who's who's going to be listening? The ancient historian or the children author? Um, I suppose the one in the middle, maybe the, the children author who wants to who wants to set his children's stories in Socrates times. This episode is your episode. Let's call it the 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 ancient Greek children's episodes. I like to think that. that we're hitting every bit, right? Because the only two types exactly. of books are children's books and, and ancient historical that's, books. So we've wrapped exactly. everyone in that's, there. That's, you know? <laughs> that's it. Like, it's very clear and obvious. Everyone's going to listen to this one. So and I don't think we haven't had a bigger list of books we've read. So um, so I think uh, overall we've almost got twenty books between of us. But uh, we won't go into depth of all of books, especially all of my children's books. But we'll still give some deep insight. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we've covered well, we'll be, uh, obviously one already yeah. um, with our with our lovely interview there. But the first yeah. historical book I read is called Yo Julia. Uh, for the non-Spanish speakers, that's I Julia. <laughs> Yes, I was pointing out to Dean just earlier, not every one of our listeners speaks Spanish. He seemed to take it for just granted uh, <laughs> and not translating anymore. Just just a Spanish translation of the title. Which is not- <laughs> I just- I'll try to translate these, these titles. So this is by Santiago Posteguillo, and it's mm. part one of the Julia Domna uh, series. So this and is he's quite famous, right? I've I've seen his name around a lot. I just haven't read him. I think I, I would say the same. The name well felt familiar to me, but I'd never, you know, yeah. I'd never read anything. Um, by and by him, he's a modern author, but he is a contemporary author, isn't he? Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, hmm. this book's I think it's hmm. I didn't tell the exact year, but it's it's fairly recent, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, cool. So Julia is married to a certain future Roman emperor, he's not emperor at the beginning, um, Severus, okay? But the emperor is a certain Commodus. Now, Commodus is um, a bit crazy. (laughs) So he's the emperor, but he's very full of himself. You know, these emperors all had very long names, right? Because it's very normal in Roman society, you would have three names, but then the emperors would add Caesar and Augustus, and maybe sometimes they would add one more emperor that they wanted to kind of claim a lineage from or something like that so you you might end up with six this guy's got like 10 at one point he's got like herculeus in there and romanus and he's just adding like all the you know he is rome he is hercules and you know all this kind of stuff and he's He's a proper lad yeah but he's doing the labors of hercules himself and there's one part where they say well the next labor is to go and kill birds and the guy says but mummy to julia says there's no birds to kill and she says ah little son we are the birds Oh, oh my God! Okay, that's a great line, actually. So the guy's a bit of a psychopath, uh, or I mean, I mean, again, look, I've studied some Roman history. I don't know all the emperors in Rome. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm saying at least this is how the book portrays them, and that's my caveat for all of today's uh, for all of today's works. I don't want to get any <laughs> any slander or libel lawsuits from Commodus or you know any other uh, <laughs> or his figures, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, whoever's yeah. still running his estate uh, today. Um, no law firms, please. But what happens is, is there's a chap called uh, Quintus. I'm saying his exact name, but he is um, head of the Praetorian Guard. Quinto Emilio is his name. He's head of the Praetorian Guard. 
and he realizes things are getting a bit wild with Commodus here. Uh, and they know that Severus, who's a governor out in another area, is a threat. So his wife, Julie, is in Rome and she's not safe. And at one point, the emperor shoots an arrow at her and you know, misses her intentionally. But she doesn't even flinch mm. because she's a badass, you know. Um, right, yeah. But there is a bit of underlying fear, like we're not really safe in Rome. Yeah, yeah, but you, you I mean, you probably have to. I mean, we, we, when you're in that high position, you just act yeah. strong. Yeah. So then he, you know, he renames Rome like Commodus City oh. or something like, and they they just say, okay, this guy is <laughs> crazy. You know, we got to. So I just want to, I just want to verify because I've never heard of this. Is this completely fictional or is it based on some historical anecdotes at least? Um, I mean, I did this emperor is... exist? Or? Yeah, yeah, this is all pretty, okay, pretty okay. by the numbers, actually. Yeah, pretty right. Okay, you know, and he did really, elements, he but... did really want, he really wanted to change the name or change it for a brief while. Uh, well, I don't know if that detail is true. You know, I haven't, I haven't looked into it exactly which bits are true and which bits are false. Um, but I don't think okay, he's okay. a very good emperor. You know, um, yeah. so the Praetorian Guard essentially arrange. You know, they get together and they poison him and they have him killed. But the opening oh, line and of this, Brutus. Well, the opening line, yeah, the opening line of this book is or one of the opening lines i was the enemy of four emperors so that's one down you know <laughs> so next right, okay. next is pertinax and he lasts a very short time because once again he's dealt with by the head of the praetorian guard so we now have a problem right quinto emilio mm. is very powerful he's the kingmaker right he's just disposed of two emperors right. and there's a part where you know he essentially chooses you know, who his guard will allow to be emperor. So that can't go on. So, of course, the third emperor kills him. You know, so that's that's him disposed of. And then enter the secret police of Rome, this kind of fabled, you know, group. Um, there's a lot of interesting things happening, though, but the central story is around Julia. And eventually Severus sends for her. Severus says, he sends for her to be with him. It gets her to escape from Rome but while Pertinax is there. So okay. she escapes and she goes off with him, but she's the master manipulator or the mistress. All right. Will. And at one point she's, you know, he's trying to figure something out and she says, Oh, I've got it all planned since longer ago than you can even imagine. Um, she has like all the chess pieces in place um, and all this kind of stuff. She knows what's going on. But of course there's another contender to the throne whose wife is similar. Oh. And the two wives hate each other because they're both manipulating and scheming. But this lady, okay. right, she was the daughter of previous kings from an area that Rome took over and made part of the empire. And she said, oh, I will be a queen. My husband and my sons, you know, will be kings or emperors. So she has this long-standing plot to make her husband the emperor, and no matter, at any cost. And it gets to the point where he starts to question her love because he's like, you're actually putting me and our kids at a risk. Like, you want to be empress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost, you know? But this sounds like it's getting a bit... Uh, um, it sounds like it's getting a bit Game of Thrones-esque. Is, it, is there a lot of kind of... Is this a very... Um, yeah, you know, kind I, of violent book as well, and as opposed to sexually, it even. is now towards the second half, the violence increases, and it's just lots of war scenes, and it, it loses me a wee bit. I'm not interested oh, in war scenes, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. but it, it's it's good as long as it lasts. Um, and there's you know, there, there are some graphic scenes as well. There's a girl, I think she's Marcia, she's called, and she's originally Commodus's um mistress, but then Quinto right. saves her and then takes her as his mistress, and then. You know, she's kind of scared because all she's doing is being used as a sex object by whoever is in power at the time for her beauty, right? Whoa. So then when the secret yeah. police come in, they just 
as a gang brutalize her and it's really like a tough scene to to get through you know well it's, it's you know it's, it sounds like an accurate depiction though of the history of the time even if it's fiction yeah. of the story people for i don't know people seem to kind of make it sound sometimes very innocent and, uh, and naive to greek and and roman times but especially roman times um I love the Shinkievich novel Quo Vadis because they're they're really brutal kind of Roman citizens. And I think that's the more accurate history, isn't it? It's not really that they're just like hanging about. I mean yeah, Julius yeah. Caesar, that kind of that more of that kind of thing. So even though it might be hard to read, it's it's probably very, very accurate. It's probably even worse, actually. It probably was there. worse. Probably yeah. even worse. Yeah. There's also an old doctor called Galeno who's very respected, and they take him on board and get him to deliver a message um to her right. husband, and then her husband comes and gets her. But he, all he wants, you know, he's like, I don't really want to get involved in politics, but I'll help you in return for access to this special library. You know, it's so all he, it's a library in Alexandria. The library. There's, like, there's like a special section of books that are, are prohibited that he wants books. access to, you know, books. So he, that's books. his entire motivation. And then we have some, you know, some slaves um, and getting involved. And there's a nice moment where Julia is very, very clever. She never forgets. If, you know, she owes you a favor, she'll remember it. Might be a year away, yeah. you know, but. And one of her slaves, he works really, really hard and saves up his tips and his money and things. And he says to her, I was planning on using this to buy my freedom, but I would, I would like to use it to, for you to purchase another slave that I'm in love with. We'll both still be slaves, but I just want to, I'll, I'll buy her for you. Right. And she kind of okay. realizes, and she's like, oh, it's the first time I realized that these slaves also have like emotions, you know. And says, he's a very good slave. I've never had any problems with him. He's never asked for anything before. But this is the first time I've realized that he, you know, he could be in love with someone and that kind of, and she, she lets it happen in the end, you know, but she doesn't free them. That maybe was asking too much, but she says, yeah, okay, you can, we'll, we'll take that, you know, your, she can be your wife. But it's really right. interesting that she then realizes like, okay, so these slaves also are people, you know, she has that little epiphany moment. Well, yeah, which is obvious for us, but not for, for not for the world. Uh, really up to you. Yeah. Of, or even of, of up to a few decades ago or even present moment yeah so yeah, yeah. but again there are yeah. there are difficult graphic scenes where one of the slave girls has a baby and one of the kind of bandit types just says set your baby in the dirt there take your clothes off and follow me you know and she's like right, i can't so, leave my yeah. baby rolling around in the dirt and he's like well it's either that or i kill you both so <laughs> it's it's pretty well pretty hard going you know some of the scenes but but the, let, let's be honest those are one or two graphic scenes the majority of this book is about political intrigue you know toppling regimes toppling emperors and how does how does julia get to be an empress because that's what she wants that's the that's the crux of the book the only, the only bad a- thing about this man is it's it's like 600 700 pages i just feel like it would have really benefited from being like 150 pages shorter you know yeah, yeah, okay. So not the anachronism method, but a bit, a bit loquacious, a bit of a war kind of depict, uh, you know, portrayal at the end that could have been cut down. Yeah, I would have taken out some of the war bits. And I know that maybe yeah. they're essential or they're historical or, or whatever, you know, and it's Albinus or Albino is the, the other guy that wants to be emperor and he makes a deal with him and he says, you can be my heir, but then he makes his son his heir. So then they go to battle. And I, I don't really care about the battles, you know, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's with the Lord of the Rings, the book itself, I find that intensely boring, the war depictions, whereas I really like the more philosophical traveling parts. So I feel the same with the, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not really my thing, the war depictions. But interesting, but it makes me think that ancient Rome is a very good setting for a, a thriller, isn't it? Or if you mm-hmm. want to write even a crime book, it's actually a very good setting. It's all there. It, it's well, more chaotic 
there. I'm glad you find the ancient world a good setting for a novel because I have several more. <laughs> but uh, oh, why don't we hear from some? Why don't we? We'll do a, a, a tit for tat. We'll do ancient followed by kids, just to <laughs> just to kind of All right. the mood. It's like the cucumber sushi between the sushis. It's there to cleanse the palate. <laughs> well, the first book I read, and so honestly, I've been reading one book for for the past six weeks, and then in between that, I've been reading all of these other children books. So, the one book is another philosophical. Um, yeah, some people will call it self help, but I prefer self empowerment. So, like we were talking about the way of the white clouds. So it's mm-hmm. a similar similar vibe this is ask and it is given learning to manifest your desires by esther and jerry hicks published by mm-hmm. hay house so um hay house publishes really that kind of novel which is about essentially reaching your highest potential um but in a more spiritual philosophical way um and basically this is uh, something which not many people I think will probably read in the first place. So it's a, it's a, it's Esther Hicks is a, is a medium. She says she can talk to uh, several spirits, which she collectively calls Abraham. And I carry this book along. Uh, I, I like Wayne Dyer and he's from Hay House. And he told, he right. just recommended carry, carry this book along for a few months and, and just carry along, see if you want to read it. So I actually did. I carried so, it. Sorry, I carried so you, across. this is one for the listeners now. Maybe if you're finding you don't have a lot of time in the day, you don't have to read it. Just carry it along. Is that what we're doing? Oh well, yeah, I carried this book along with me to five different countries over the past year, and I got down to sitting, sit, sat down, and started reading this. And my God, it's really one of the most, um, uh, my uh, yeah. One of the most profound books I've ever read, and I still haven't finished it. And similar to the Tao Te Ching, I really recommend they read slowly and um, meditate on it. And this was recommended by by Alisa, my um, my girlfriend. And okay, yeah, it's it's amazing. Now you may uh, be very skeptical about the concept that she listens to spirits, which she called Abraham, or not. I know I was, but I don't really question any of it anymore. It's not really, it hasn't become really a relevant thing. If there are spirits or if it's just her higher consciousness, you know, just her higher self and she just separates it. She talks very differently when she's normal. And then when she gets on the stage, she talks like this. That's that's not what I was um, skeptical of. I was skeptical of this concept of reading slowly. Uh, I never never (laughs) encountered this before. Well, I, I was talking to you about this. I have become slower and slower. With, you know, I, I, I take months sometimes to read a book. You've seen that. Um, but yeah, but what can I say? This is really one to meditate upon. Basically, the concept is, although I highly recommend you just read it slowly. <laughs> the concept is that you can, <laughs> not, not that you can get anything you want or attract everything you want, but that you are enough. And that you are in the perfect place right now. But that if you let go of all the negative um, self-criticism that everyone around us does, and of all the negative input that you allow into your brain, say, mm-hmm. for example, watching uh, the news, uh, violent news, if you can just pick what goes into your subconscious, and if you can just forgive yourself for what you've done, what you do and what you will do, uh, essentially with Abraham call, so they, Abraham is plural, so I'm just going to talk about Abraham philosophy. Um, if you stick in well-being, that's in capital letters, you will just do everything and achieve everything that you ever want. And that's it. That's a logical concept. It's just many times repeated in the book. 
Uh, but if you think about it, I, I think it makes sense. If you feel well doing a certain thing or being in a certain state or being with certain people, then that is an indicator that you're doing the right thing, right thing your true yeah. self. Yeah, and it's very logical, but really, I think not actually because we seem to be doing thousand things we don't enjoy. Being with people, we don't, it's not that we don't enjoy these people. It's not like they don't give us full happiness. Sure. So really this book is indicating that if we want a better world, a better society, a truer, it's more, it, talks more, it doesn't really talk about good or bad, just a truer society, mm-hmm. then just everyone should focus on doing exactly what they do want. And even if that means laying in bed for a week and reading, well, then you should do it because eventually you'll probably get out of that, out of that bed refreshed and ready to start whatever it is you love. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, just for example for you, so if you're doing this, uh, if you're listening to this book, Sports episode and it's making you feel good, but you don't need to even describe it. I think we're trying to always describe why does it make, for, for what purpose. But read this book explains more just for no purpose. It's just the feeling itself is beneficial and healthy for you. Then. Um, this is also practical for you. If, if it makes you feel good, it will somehow benefit you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but it made me think of an example specifically, uh, also physically. You know, if, if you feel physical and ease, is that really the right thing? Is pushing yourself to the maximum really, really the good thing? Because people always think about long-term solutions. Yeah, yeah. But I, I this tend to push myself a yeah. lot, for example. But I, but I have a question for you, PJ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, are we just limiting this to things that make you feel good, you know, mentally or let's say spiritually, if you if you're like that? Because you know, yeah. I'm guessing this this isn't hedonism, right? This isn't saying like just indulge in like physical pleasures and eat a lot of chocolate and you know drink alcohol. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, party. I'm I'm guessing there's a distinction made somewhere. Well, that's a good ethical um, question here, right? And um, or semantic question. So, yeah, so essentially, that's it. I did think about this. I did think about it. So it would be like too much chocolate and too much joy and carnal pleasure and, and, um, and sex and all that. Would that be, would that be good? Um, if you think about it, I just, this is just a, a practice. It may, and we talked about it in the philosophy classes back in university, it does make you feel good. But if you excess uh, two things can happen. You won't feel so good after doing it too much. And True. second of all, will you feel good after the initial the initial gratification of eating the chocolate? Mm. So you eat the chocolate, you feel really good, but then do you feel good long-term? This is about long-term happiness. That's the distinction. So because yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. if you eat the chocolate, you won't pr- usually feel good after a certain amount of time. That's, that's or, good. Well, that works, yeah. That's what, that's what it talks about. Read, read the book is that, and I don't... I think people will be skeptical about the whole new age kind of uh, approach it takes. But I I think just take your skepticism apart. And um, I think this is really, in the end, very, very uh, like basic kind of stuff. Really logical in the end, even though she says they're spirits. Okay. And, um, but I, I kind of believe that she it's, it's spirits. I, I just wouldn't necessarily call it like an external spirit. It's just her kind of like, she just kind of, I kind of imagine she just kind of lets the barriers loose in her brain and just lets it flow. I can, I can kind of understand that, but the same time it's not really understandable, but yeah, just think that's all I want to say about the book. Um, uh, this, this did become a big thing in the secret, but I have not read or seen a secret. It doesn't really attract me for some reason. I like yeah, this more the secret, ground I'm thing. I'm not too keen on myself. 
I, I haven't read it, so I don't want to do I just don't feel attracted to that kind of concept. This is for me a lot more grounding, even though the secret author was very influenced by by mm. this. And it does make me just I'm, what I'm saying is I do meditate on this because I do try to be very aware right now what makes me feel good physically, mentally, the long term. And there are some things which some habits which I'm just um yeah, which I'm just maybe doing more of or doing less of. So it is helping me a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm actually stopping to, to do, you know, this might seem very responsible, but I'm kind of like doing less of the bureaucratic stuff or things that people say you really have to do right now. Whereas I kind of feel like, yeah, it's making me feel really bad right now for some reason. So maybe I'll just do it in my own pace slower because this book would just indicate you just do it slower when you feel good mm-hmm. rather than like, oh, right, I have to do now 10,000 pieces of paperwork. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's That's fair. So... So if you're struggling with this issue in life, uh, I re-recommend this book, but I re-recommend this book to any, anyone. Children's book. It's not a children's book, but I recommend for children to read it. So here, there you go. There's another one for your children. Okay. By Esther and Jerry Hicks, um, and published in Hay House, which I also want to recommend, just Hay House Publishing in general. Mm-hmm. Ask and it is given. But the... I guess that's not a children's book as such, but but your other no, books, no, your other books are children's books. Am I right? Exactly, yes. So I'll, I'll briefly mention one. Uh, the first children's book I read was really for teenagers. It's the only one for teenagers. The other ones are for younger ones. And no, sorry, excuse me. I'm trying to do chronology. No, the first one was for very little kids. And it's Eric Carl's um, Where Are You Going? To See My Friend. <laughs> this is the author from The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Have you ever read uh, The I Very Hungry Caterpillar? I have heard uh, rumors about the, the fabled, uh, the fabled Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> So classic, this is classic uh, 60s children's literature. But Eric Carl, um, this is great. Just briefly explain why it's great. Eric Carl wrote and drew, um, where are you going to see my friend? Very basic story. They're just animals meets, one animal meets another animal, meets another animal, and slowly they go and see their friend. But why this is genius is because it's the English and Japanese edition. And Japanese reading is starting from behind and yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. starting from the back, going to front. So what happens is you've got both stories. They're the same, one in English and Japanese, but they're drawn by different authors. The first one is the original Eric Carl. It does kind of a pastiche, kind of slightly Picasso-esque style drawing. Sorry, very, one second. So they, they've got the English and Japanese. Do they meet in the middle? Yes, that's the genius. I loved it. They meet in the middle. It's the same story. And then they meet in the middle and you've got a unique fold up to page mm. where the Japanese more animated looking characters meet up with the pastiche Western characters. And then you're just, where are you going to see my friends? And they sing a song both in Japanese and English. What if we that's do um, half of the book in English and then the other half in Japanese? So you need to be fluent in both languages or you only get half the story. Can we do that? That's Oh, I love that. I love that. But you see, that's what, that's what I did. I, I, I was reading, I just want to mention again, Alisa, because I was reading most of these books out to Alisa. So I really did read the English one first, then the Japanese when I read in Japanese and translated to her, but really it's the same text. And then you meet in the middle, but the middle, you really do have to speak English and Japanese because they, the texts all of a sudden combine and the song has Ooh. both Japanese characters and English. So really it's a linguist's dream. And I was, you know, it's very basic. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky to be able to read Japanese, but not really adult stuff. So this is perfect for me. And I wasn't expecting the concept. I didn't know there was going to meet in the middle. I just thought, okay, just the same kind of book, different drawings. But then actually they have a unique 
uh, page which opens up so it's twice as big was all the characters so the animated japanese kind of s characters and air carl's characters all mm. meeting up to see their friends i like that so, a lot actually I thought that was genius, and they've got a unique song in Japanese English. So, really, this is also just for the linguist out there, a, a, a site for stories, and really affordable price in, in Amazon, by the way. So, it's I thought it was more rare, but it's not. It seems mm. to be quite. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can get it. Well, just before I take us back to ancient times, if you've got a spare <laughs> uh, forty-five seconds, I'm going to go ahead and play a little ad for our Patreon uh, that everyone can go and enjoy. Go ahead, Cowboy. The facts that will be presented are true. Yes, PJ. Hello there. Dean is always joined by Mireya. Say hello. <laughs> hello. Dark Place Robert and Playboy Alex. Doing all right. Glad to be here again. So I've given you those nicknames. I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> well, that's where people will know you from. That's why you're going to know me from that one. <laughs> hello, Mother. Can you hear me? Join us for Shakespeare written, Spanish plays and poetry, rock star interviews, film reviews, dark place dreamers, and more. Patreon.com slash booksboys. Get it by it books. So Oh, that get that guitar is out of control. I love that idea. <laughs> and that's uh, <laughs> thanks to Trapdoor and, and Wiggly for the backing music. The next book I read, don't be mad. I read a book called Asesinato en el Jardín de Socrates. So this is, oh. well, murder, assassination, if you will, a murder or killing in the garden of Socrates. Um, but then I noticed the author's name is Sasha Berst. This is a German author, um, PJ. What? Now, once again, <laughs> I've read a German book translated into Spanish, and you're going to say, well, oh, English would have probably been closer. Yeah, uh, yeah. This book does not exist yeah. in English. <laughs> oh, really? It doesn't exist in English? I can't, well, I can't find it. Wow. No, I'm always very fascinated by, you know, books that haven't been published into English. So you have to kind of, yeah, yeah. If it anyway, has, that's another story. But if wow. it has been, it's rare, you know. Now, this if is it has, it's probably another, it's, it's probably a completely different title. Yeah, Spanish right. Love <laughs> the title of it. Anyway, do. Now, who's the author? That's more important. Who's the author? So, so get Sasha Burst, and this is 2008. Okay. Um, and just, I looked it up as well. The Yo Julia was 2018. Okay, just to, if anyone's okay. interested. And he's written a lot of edge oh. books. But this one's interesting. Um, I liked this one, but a, a little bit less than the previous book. Okay, I think oh. that it's written a little bit less well. Now that might okay, be a translation issue. You know, the Spanish seemed a bit simpler or whatever. Maybe, maybe in English, it would, you would have liked it more. Yeah. Maybe. And okay. I mean, this is set in ancient Greece, and sometimes we're talking about Greek things and using a few Greek words, and then we're obviously translating the book into German and then into Spanish and then in my mind into English. So, like, it might be that it's <laughs> not well written just because it's going through four languages, you know? <laughs> lost, lost in translation, yeah, okay. But, like, and again, it's about 500, 550 pages. Just like the last one, wow. I would have thought maybe knock 100 pages off and it would have been better. I feel like it just goes on a little bit too much, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I find yeah. that a lot. Um, but look, it is what it is. I'll give you a quick five-minute synopsis of the book um, because I, I did enjoy it, Okay. So we start out, it's a murder mystery, the first half, okay? Hmm. Uh, so surprisingly, it's a murder mystery. There's been a killing. Uh, it's called In the Garden of Socrates, really for no reason, but Socrates is in oh. the book, and you know some of these people are, you, know, you meet some of his followers and things, but 
I, I don't. It's it struck me as an unusual title. Somebody's not the main character or, or anything like that. Um, right. Okay. Been a murder. I this think it's disappointing because you're a big fan of him. So you were. That's maybe a reason why I liked it a bit less. Maybe. I think the guy's called Peliandros, something like that. But anyway, he's dead. So some some chap is okay. dead, and our main character has to go along, and he's the head of the uh, archers, which are kind of being used as a, as a police almost, you know. And he's got to figure yeah. out who uh, did this murder. And he, he goes around, he chats to some people, and he chats to Socrates. And uh, at one point, Socrates says, you know, there's a few people, there's someone who's really sad about all of this. And he says, well, who's that? Yeah, Periandro is the guy's name. He's dead. He says, well, who yeah. is it who's sad about this? He says, a friend of mine, he's called uh, Glaucon. He says, I don't know him. He says, well, Glaucon uh, doesn't really use his real name. You might know him by his nickname, Platon. Oh, so we meet the illustrious uh, Plato. Oh, Lord. Now, for some okay. reason, the author chooses to give Plato a stutter, and I don't know why. And he actually says in the okay. notes at the back, I just don't know why I did that. This is a bit of fun, you know. So I don't know. I don't know why that is. <laughs> well, I like that kind of okay. So and there is a list. Okay. There's a list of like historical inaccuracies listed on the back. You know, things that were, right. were help, you know, to make the book a work of fiction to drive a story that weren't accurate. That's all listed and chronicled accurately in the back of the book. Nice. Um, uh, by, by the way, I just, I just, I, I was listening. I just briefly looked up um, who this author is. He is, um, he's a German Italian author, and he wrote. Martin Gatt and Socrates. So it's literally the same thing, Murder in the Garden of Socrates. So the title is very accurate, mm. published in Frankfurt in 2008. And yeah, you seem, to, it seem, you seem to be right. It doesn't seem to be an English uh, translation. Yeah, I couldn't. Because I, 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 I looked yeah. for one, you know. Um, yeah. But they talk about Socrates going around and asking people, you know, what is truth? What is virtue? And we, we get a little bit of an insight into people thinking that some people really respect him and follow him and others think he's a bit of a crazy old guy, you know. Um, yeah. But he, he, our, our main character talks to him a few times to try to guide him towards his investigation, you know? But the opening <laughs> line of this book, we are in Athens in the time of Alcibiades. Now, I oh, love Alcibiades. He is do a fantastic character and a former pupil of Socrates. Now, I didn't remember that Alcibiades was ever a, a governor as such. Um, but he was an influential character. He was a kind of super strategoi, a uh, super general uh, strategos. Um, and he, he did have a lot of power, sort of, I, I thought, unofficially. Um, but he, uh, just to give you a quick idea, Alcibiades is this guy who was working with, with Athens. He got in yeah. trouble, went off to Sparta, helped the Spartans against the Athenians had sex with the queen in Sparta, got kicked out of Sparta, went to Persia, held the Persians against the Athenians and the Spartans, got in trouble in Persia, went back to Athens, became a super general, helped the Athenians against the Persians and Spartans, uh, then like slept in one day when they were meant to go to war and got sacked. Oh, right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's um, a very influential character. He also got... Uh, exiled for like being involved in making fun of some of the religious mysteries and potentially was implicated in cutting off parts of the Hermes, the, the penis from the Hermes statues and this kind of thing. So well, he's a bit of a, a charming fellow. But he was a former pupil of Socrates, as was Critias. And Critias becomes right. one of the 30 tyrants. So already we've got two characters who aren't doing well, who are both former pupils of Socrates. And that's one of the reasons why Socrates was killed for misleading the youth, even though that wasn't a crime. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Interesting. 
So, but yeah. the problem is, we start with this murder mystery, and it's nice and it's fun, and we're gathering up a couple of clues. But mm, if I'm being honest, not a lot is really happening for like a large portion of it. Um, ah, that's a bit. You know, there's a steamy sex scene with his wife at one point. If you're interested in that, but one of one what, of them, with his wife? No, no, <laughs> with, the, with our main character, with his wife is Okay, and, but but one because of the that main that would have that would have been pretty groundbreaking. So <laughs> his wife. Uh, one of the know. main things that happens is there's this treatise that someone has written about it's an yeah. all, well, I think this is I think it's based on a real treatise by the old oligarch, Constitution of Athens, yeah. um, but it's hard to read because it's in it's in ancient Greek in this novel. Um, there's a, there's a, a thing criticizing democracy and in favor of oligarchy. And then, of course, the tyrants come to power and off goes Alcibiades and Critias and his friends come in and start killing a lot of people. And it is believed that Critias wrote this pamphlet and this is one of the main clues. So there's just this murder mystery. I'm not really going to spoil, you know, how it goes. There's a bit where they find a ring and they go to a jeweler to investigate. And, you know, it's clue following. It's, it's what you're used to. Um, yeah. One of the best bits in this book is the reveals. So I told you about the Plato reveal. There's a bit at the very, yeah. very end, it's not a spoiler, where almost the last line of the book, he just says, oh, I should mention to you that my nephew's doing quite well, and he's following Plato, and he's very interested in philosophy. He's a young chap called um, Aristotle, you know, so... <laughs> I knew it, yeah. Yeah, they, they yeah. throw those in, and there's also a bit where he says to someone, oh, you're reading a book at the moment, are you? He's like, yeah, I'm reading, a, it's a little book called The Peloponnesian War by a chap called Thucydides. So they keep throwing in just these like, little bits. Just by know? a chap called, like, you know, just like <laughs> some, someone who just wrote it recently, like. Yeah, but I love the casualness of it as well because I suppose at the time it would have been, you know. Yeah, yeah, it just would have been. Yeah, and we meet. um, If you go and listen to Forensic Friends on our Patreon, you'll see that I've covered some court speeches, and we meet the great court speech writer, the logographer Lysias, and he helps out at one point. So I, I like that we're it's we're hitting all the things that I like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Where and Alcibiades and Socrates and everything, where they lose me is the second half of the book. Oh, All of a sudden, they skip ahead like four years, and the second half becomes essentially a summary of Thucydides, the history of the Peloponnesian War. And we, hmm. and then at the end, they try to tie in the murder mystery again. But nah, it's a bit. Why did they do that? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a pity. It kind of loses me when we just start doing political summary because I've read Thucydides. I don't need that. I, w- I wanted the murder mystery, you know, and. It's weird, and he convinces Critias, but then we wonder what was it or not. He's Critias right, is a okay. bad guy, but this guy is maybe living him for things he didn't do. But it, 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 it reminds me. me of a. It reminds me of another uh, male German author, um, Bernhard Schlink, who wrote *The Reader*. I haven't mm. seen the film, but the book is really three parts. It's a love story, and and then it's really law uh, philosophy. The second part is really yes, just quite yeah. specific law. Philosophy, and then it kind of tr- uh, tries to tie in at the end. Now, I must say, I still love the novel, but I thought, ah, do you, does it have to be so dense in the law philosophy? Because he is a law philosophy teacher, Ben yeah. Link. But can you not sometimes, I just feel like, can you not sometimes separate the novelist from the lecturer? And I find sometimes, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it, it, we end up yeah, covering, you know, great, but... uh, the Athens Maritime Empire and their sort of Sparta, you know, and the, the, the battle that they won and that was Maritime, I can't remember. And then, um, you know, saying, well, Athens, you've got to give up your empire and your allies are going to become Sparta's yeah. allies. And it's just, it's almost a Wikipedia or, you know, at, at some point. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know why we 
you know, we get to that when it was really good. It's also not the yeah. best written, as I say. Like Plato doesn't really do a lot in it. And even Socrates isn't. Oh. Adam- even though Plato understood her, he sounded like a great character. It's great characters. It's a great book, but then it doesn't really go anywhere. You know, that's the problem. Oh, right, yeah. Oh. Especially such a length, like six hundred pages, it doesn't yeah. sound like it's worth my time. But it, it is enjoyable, particularly the first half. Um, I just okay. I'm struggling on whether to recommend it or not. That's that's it. I've never yeah. read a book that I'm so on the fence about, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I can't recommend it to the listeners because you, you you can't even get it in English. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hold up! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 